my fellow writer over at Pucks and Pitchforks and also the host of Heads Up Hockey Podcast, Jersey Joe, is accompanying me on today's episode. We're going to talk about some players who have been crucial so far during the playoff series for the New Jersey Devils, but might not get the amount of tension that they rightfully deserve. There's a lot to break down with Jersey Joe because a lot has happened after our breakdown of game one. Buckle up, everybody. You're Locked On Devils, your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, this is Bryce Salvador, and you're Locked On Devils with Trey Matthews. All righty now, what is up, New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on Locked On Network. I'm your host, college hockey play-by-play announcer, Devils Ride for Pucks and Pitchforks, and also part-time credential media member, Trey Matthews. He is Jersey Joe, back on the show once more, recurring guest, Jersey Joe. The last time we spoke, we were kind of in uh, not so good of a place because- down one nothing and being heckled out. Yeah, the Ranger fans are relentless, and and I've I've seen a lot less of them in my comment section as of late. Hold on a sec, hold on a sec. May I say something? Hate is gonna hate, players gonna play. You ain't gonna be a playmaker. I'm sorry, you're the spectator. <laughs> well, the series is now tied two two. The New Jersey Devils have reclaimed home ice advantage. However. I don't know how much that helps them concerning the fact that neither team has won in front of their home fans and the Devils actually perform better on the road. So I guess technically you could say the Rangers have home ice advantage, but um, the Devils are going to have to win. At, they're going to have to win at home at some point if they want to win the series. They're either going to put themselves in the driver's seat or they're going to finish it off in game seven. That's the circumstance that has to happen if they want to come out uh, victorious. Well, let me put it this way. There's been such a momentum swing the past two games. I'm literally saying, like, if they started Schmied instead of Vanacek and they played Lazar instead of Wood, this series would have been over in favor of the Devils. It's just my uh, belief, just that the calmness of a goaltender slowing a game down. Uh, I mentioned this before in a, in a recent article uh, that's out today on Pucks and Pitchforce, the site we write for. And I wrote about Schmid saying he reminds me of a uh, of a star quarterback where not only is he calm and composed, but when he has a lead, he takes his time. He's not going to rush anything. He's going to kill some time by the time for his offense to get ahead and help him score when critical. Now, we're going to talk all about the circumstances that the New Jersey Devils could have done in order to put themselves in the driver's seat a little early. But first, I got to point this out because I've been seeing in my comment section so many times as of late, and I am sick of it. Okay, this is not a Detroit Red Wings jersey, guys. This is a, a, a Mickey Mouse Canadian jersey that I got from Epcot at Disney World. I'm just showing love to my brothers up north. See, Canada. All right? And my LeBron James... I love is in that part of Epcot going to Canada. Right. I had to have it. It was it's a, it's an exclusive Disney World jersey. All right. It's not a Detroit Red Wings one. So please leave me alone. <laughs> it's just showing support for uh, my Canadian listeners and for my LeBron James flag. I don't know what to tell you. There's no there's no NBA team in New Jersey anymore. All right. So I can Here's like the Nets. 
the Nets claim New York now. They're Brooklyn. I was never a Nets fan. I know. All right. So I can like other sports. I don't know what to tell you. Now, digressing a little bit, you you hit the nail on the head, uh, Jersey Joe, which is we talked, you talked about like what could have the Devils done differently. I talked, I talked briefly about it in my previous episode because I talked about how Jonas Siegenthaler. He kind of had a, a a solid performance because he was able to score. He was able to get an assist to make a multi-point game. I felt like that was a statement uh, game for him just because he was a scratch on game two. And we saw how that game went, went wound up for the Devils. It didn't, didn't go well at all. So we could talk about Akira Schmid. We could talk about Jonas Siegenthaler. We could also talk about Curtis Lazar because Curtis Lazar, especially in game three, he was also able to have a pretty solid performance, especially on the penalty kill according to Christy Flannery of the Hockey News. So, oh yeah, we start. I guess let's start with Akira Schmidt. Now, you sent me an interesting stat, basically showing the projection of potential that Akira Schmidt has, and it's comparing him to Martin Brodeur. Now, here's the thing. Akira Schmidt, here's what he has in common with Martin Brodeur. He is the first Devils goalie rookie to start in a playoff game since Martin Brodeur in 1994. Uh, Brodeur appeared in 17 playoff games his rookie year. And then, uh, according to Amanda Stein, uh, Akira Schmid is the first Devils goalie to win two games in a playoff series since Brodeur did it in 2012. So, yeah, so it seems like Akira Schmid, while the the talk around town has been Vitek Vanacek, right now it seems like Akira Schmid is stealing the light and you solidify your legacy during the course of the playoffs. So what do you think of Akira Schmid? I love him. You know, I was a little hard on him uh, last year when he wasn't ready during the uh, pandemic shortened uh, season. And he just wasn't quite ready yet. I knew what he was capable of. He just wasn't ready for that moment in time. And then a buddy of the show, Jake Wakeley, he's a big goalie, uh, former goalie in his days of hockey. He would tell me, say, He's a really good goaltender. He's developing well in Utica. He's going to take a little longer, but once he's ready, he's probably going to be the one. And I said, look, if this kid can come up, steal the show from whether it's a Vanacek or a Blackwood, and he just impresses me outright, he he has the Jersey Joe blessing. And right now, ever since game three of this playoff series, He's earned that 1A starter role from just from me being a fan coach. Let me just put it that way. I mean, that's just the way I operate. But you're when you have him and uh, Vanacek, you got a really good tandem. Yeah, you do have a good tandem. And you talked about how uh, Akira Schmid was calm, cool, and collected. I think it was evident in game four because in game three, he admitted he was really nervous and uh, I know I've said it so many times on my show, but when I speak to Akira Schmidt and he's a really nice guy, he's really polite, very soft-spoken, and he, he seems like a very shy kind of guy. But when I, when I spoke with him, um, he admitted to me that there was a game in which he was very nervous, which is why he didn't have his uh, best performance. But he said in game four, he was less nervous and he felt more prepared. So the thing is, is like you talk about how Akira Schmidt can take the 1A role from Vitek Vanacek because Vitek Vanacek has been the Devils' uh, consensus starting goalie throughout the course of the year because first it was Mackenzie Blackwood. Blackwood gets hurt. Devils go on a 13-game win streak. Vitek Vanacek is at the helm. Akira Schmidt is brought up, and 
in his uh, season debut against the Ottawa Senators, I believe, when he yes. was in, in relief. We saw Akira Schmidt. He was rusty at first, but during the course of OT, we saw him make some big saves, and it was just – it was all uh, positive impacts from there on out. So for Akira Schmidt, it's just like, yes, he's solidifying his legacy in the playoffs, and the thing is, is like, if if Mackenzie Blackwood wasn't already kicked to the curb, he certainly is now. Like, there's no there's no chance. It's 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 like having the Sopranos. Like you you see that guy who's he was part of the family, but is no longer that good enough to be part of the family. Finally, kick him to the curb. Right now, you got the young guy and the other guy taking those roles away. So really, it's competition on the daily. You can't get complacent. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, is like, is Akira Schmidt going to be the starting goalie come next year for Devils? I just, I, I have I, a good feeling he can. You can't just ignore what Vitek Vancheck did during no. the, the year because, once again, Vitek Vancheck. While we're on the subject of comparing our goalies to Martin Brodeur, greatest goalie to ever play the game, uh, I'll take that to the bank. Um, the thing is, Vitek Vancheck is the first Devils goalie since Brodeur to reach 30 wins. So it's just like, I'm a little conflicted because on the one hand, uh, Vitek Vancek had a phenomenal year. I don't care what Ranger fans tell me. Vitek Vancek, if he's able to repeat what he's able to do next year, he can definitely be in the running for the Vezina Trophy. I don't care what anyone says. Like the narrative is there. His impact is there. The numbers will improve in my eyes. So Vitek Vancek, uh, you can't ignore that. But at the same time, Akira Schmid, just the playoffs are way more meaningful because you can't. You can lose four games in a row during the course of the regular season. We saw it happen at one point, and you're able to rebound. But in the playoffs, you only got four lives, and pretty much you got to be selective when you use your lives. Because if the Devils go down three nothing, they're not winning four straight in my eyes. That at that point, it's, unless you're pulling the Boston Red Sox of hockey and you come back and you win it all, or or the, uh, you're pulling the LA Kings, who were able to do that in the 2014 Finals. I remember that. Jose, to the San Jose Sharks. The San Jose Sharks are the last NHL team to blow a 3-0 lead, but that was almost 10 years ago. No, oh, 11 years. 11? 2014? No, 20, 2014. Yeah, it's been less than that. Yeah, 2000. It's, 2000, feel old. it's 2023. Yeah, 2014 plus 10 years. Yeah, is that's 24. Not, that's nine. Oh, yeah, almost. so almost 10 Yeah, years. I, just, I, I still think of 2012. That's My brain is going back 11 years. That's my lucky number. But anyway, so yeah, the, the thing is, is like, I think Akira Schmidt is definitely making a case for himself as to why maybe he should become the starting goalie next year. We just got to see how the rest of the series goes out. But let me ask you this. Do you feel comfortable putting Akira Schmidt in for, if this series were to hypothetically go to seven games, do you leave Akira Schmidt in for all three of those games that are remaining kind of thing? Or do you like, if the Devils win the next game, maybe put Vitek Vancek in for game six just to rest it up a little bit? Or what, what's your thoughts? He's he's already rolling. Why mess with a good thing? And he's already got a couple about, days off. I'm just thinking about fatigue. I'm just thinking from a fatigue standpoint, not a performance standpoint, because you are going to have – because if the Devils do advance in the playoffs, you are going to have to put Vitek Vancek in at least once to just, you know, give a Kira Schmidt. Probably a game guys. one of the next round if the Devils advance. Probably game one. Yeah, probably. To but, be but right now, as of now, yesterday, after yesterday's win on the 24th, you have until the 27th. So this 
gives a couple days off for Shmi to rest and the devil's legs to get back to them. But if this was um, not so dire, then you would have Vanacek in. But at this point, you just roll with Schmid. Don't worry, there's still more in store. But game five of the first round series between the New York Rangers and the New Jersey Devils is fast approaching. I know a lot of you want to see the game in person. So I, I know that the ticket prices can be a little pricey. So I'm going to tell you about game time because game time can help you out. Flash deals and last minute tickets easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area and images of the seat views, lowest price guaranteed, even cancellation protection, job loss protection, etc. So what do I mean by that? Well, forget planning months of advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for hockey, football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row, for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So get images of your seat before you buy so you know what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. So download the game time app, create an account, and use the code locked on NHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code locked on NHL for $20 off. Download game time today, last-minute ticket deals, lowest price guaranteed. All right, let's get back to our discussion with Jersey Joe from Heads Up Hockey Podcast. Take it away once again. I would have to agree. And uh, Pierre Schmidt, he's the hot hand, so we just got to we just gotta ride it. But if the Devils do win this series, Akira Schmidt is my MVP because it, he is the reason why this series was able to turn around because – I said, look, the Devils got to win game three. If they want any chance of coming back, they got to win game three. If they lost game four, I would be like, okay, not in our favor, but we've seen teams overcome a 3-1 deficit. It's one of the reasons why I say it's the most infamous lead, lead in all of sports. The, no one wants to be known as the team that blew a 3-1 lead. But uh, but no team, very rarely has a team come down 3-0. Like, it's only happened once in baseball hasn't happened all that often in hockey. It's never happened in basketball. So it's just like when you're down 3-0, you, you pretty much at that point, it's just a safe base. Don't get swept. But moving on from uh, the goalie position, let's talk about Jonas Siegenthaler. So game two, I don't think I got your thoughts on this. Lindy Ruff decides to bench Jonas Siegenthaler in favor of uh, Brendan Smith to add, quote unquote, more physicality which I don't think was the problem that like it Jonas Siegenthaler, that's not the person you scratch kind of thing. And I get that you have to factor in left-handed, right-handed defenseman. You don't want to put, you don't want to play someone out of position, but that wasn't the time to make a desperation move, especially for Jonas Siegenthaler, because I don't know if you listened to my more recent episode, James Nichols of the fourth period, he tweeted out um, Andre Palat's numbers, but I couldn't help but notice that Jonas Siegenthaler was putting up some solid production as well. On the defensive side of things, he had a multi-point outing in which, once again, he was able to score on a great feed from Nico Heischer, and he was able to also rack up an assist on Jack Hughes's goal because who was the one that was able to get it away from Akira Schmidt when, when Schmidt in, initially made the, the save? It was Siegenthaler because it went behind Schmidt and had a Rangers player found it, that's an easy goal. But it was Siegenthaler who cleared it. So... Let me get your thoughts. Like, if the Devils were to lose this series, just just let just speaking hypothetically, 
Would you look back at game two as probably the biggest blunder that Lindy Ruff made in benching or, or making Siegenthaler a healthy scratch in favor for Brendan Smith? Yes, absolutely. I mean, the art of war, you have to know yourself, you have to know your personnel, and you have to know your opponents. And when you mistake your best soldier for your least favorable soldier, you're only letting down your guard and you're letting down the way your tactics are. So really, if that game three were to go down in a bad way, yes, I would absolutely be roasting negatively Lindy Ruff. I know you love Lindy Ruff. I like to hold my guys accountable because I hold them account. I, I hold them accountable. But the thing is like when people say he deserves to be fired, I'm just like, what more do you want from him? Like he's like, we'll talk about Lindy Ruff momentarily, but basically my mindset is like, I hold him accountable. I don't agree with everything he does. I will call out Lindy Ruff when, it, when, you know, the time is right. I'm not going to kiss his ass or anything, <laughs> but, at no day, but at the end of the day, it's just like, look he's overachieved with this devil's team but we'll talk about that momentarily let's get back to Jonas Siegenthaler Jonas Siegenthaler to me is a real Swiss guard defenseman he's literally the epitome of Sasquatch defensive hockey where he lays the body out block shots he will create that nice breakout pass to a teammate whether it's a short one or a long one. He's looking to try and get the assist. But like last night or on the 24th, when this recording goes goes up, he made a beautiful goal. And he was just playing just, you know, straight up simple Sasquatch hockey. Can you explain what Sasquatch hockey is for, for people? Because so, I'm getting a lot of new let, listeners and viewers. Let, so let me give you an example. Andre Pilat had a blend of what? Four hits and seven blocks. So that's called Sasquatch isolated defense, meaning no offensive point creation. But when he got an assist and, uh, and a goal and that empty netter, that made him get a total Sasquatch score of 13. So take your hits and blocks divided by one game. That is your SID score percentage. So Palat had an 11% SID rate, which is insane. So just imagine what you can do, suppressing your opponents and being able to counterattack. You have to be dynamic in other facets, even if you're not the most gifted and talented player. Okay, so obviously Jersey Joe, he's a big analytics uh, kind of guy, so he made up his own stat. So whenever I say Sasquatch, I just mean generally like playing aggressive, using your big body frame to your advantage and, you know, racking up some of those impacts that a lot of people will overlook. But um Moving on from Jonas Siegenthaler, let's talk about Curtis Lazar, another Sasquatch you like to mention, this time on the offensive side of things. So Miles Wood, uh, with the exception of being injured a few times, I believe he's been injured three times for undisclosed purposes, he's never been a healthy scratch this year. So I'm sure it was tough for Lindy Ruff to 
make him a healthy scratch in favor of Curtis Lazar, who, let's face it, hasn't been around all that often. But I think Curtis Lazar is another X factor that we got to look at because the facts are there. The Devils won game three, and Curtis Lazar, according to Christy Flannery of the Hockey News, she acknowledged that uh, you saw Curtis Lazar. He was racking up the hits, which I believe led the Devils and Fords for that game. He was playing in that a third game. He had like four hits and a block shot, and he was true on the penalty kill. And he had that uh, amazing uh, SID rate of five. So just imagine what um, Segan, uh, what was it, Palat did on the forward side was even stronger. So just think about having a pest on your team. And someone, you know, during the trade deadline said to me, Joe, like, why are we getting this minor league or who, who would care for this guy? Oh, we need him for the playoffs. We need to piss people off who are our opponents. You have to get those guys. Right. And Curtis Lazar, I think he's played efficiently in the few games that he has played during the course of the playoffs. And look what happened. We have a tied series, two games to two devils are going back home. Um, they, they, ha- they, ho- they host the next uh, two of the three potential games. So it's just like, you know, uh, Curtis Lazar has definitely had that sort of impact. Also playing efficiently on the penalty kill. Nathan Bashan, he's been big on the PK. But here's one player it's that we line, yes. Here's one player we haven't really been talking about, Timo Meyer. And it's just because Timo Meyer hasn't been scoring. I don't think he has a point in this play. He's, he's been coming up very close. Yes, he's been coming up very close, which is why you see that the advanced analytics at least back it up saying that Timo Meyer's playing well might just be an Eric Holla situation in which he sometimes gets unlucky. But the one thing I like from Timo Meyer is that he's not just like a stick figure out there. He's not just like standing still. He's not like doing nothing. He's actually asserting himself big time. And I think he's providing that sort of energy for the Devils. And it's something that they've been needing since the beginning of January when they were going on that losing skid because their their team is full of nice guys. You know, he sure cute, <laughs> whacked. None of these guys are going to strike fear into you, but Timo Meyer can strike fear to you because not only he's can a he bulldog. Now he's like a, yeah, he's a bulldog. He's a freaking bulldog in a china shop. Not just a bull, bulldog. He's a dog on a bone, ready to bite someone, ready to pound on someone. And he's gotten under the skin of Rangers players. I like to think of him as a past devil, um, kind of like Claude Lemieux, but um, more skilled. He absolutely can piss off the Rangers players. And you saw it. And you saw me uh, put it in my article where he was right there between Braden Schneider and Igor Shesterkin. And the pushing, the shoving, and then eventually Timo gets knocked down right into uh, Igor Shesterkin. And then Shesterkin, always a hothead. He always looks like he's calm, but he's not. And he's like swatting the hell out of him. And eventually Schneider pushes him back in. And the Devils go on the power play. And what they do? Power play goal, baby. Right. So you I like- need those guys. You need them. Yeah. So when people say like Timo Meyer's not really doing what we expected, well, sometimes look, I it would be nice if he could get like five goals during the during the playoff series but that's not his job that's jack hughes's job 
That's Nico Heischer's job to set up people. Timo Meyer's role is different for the Devils compared to the San Jose Sharks. So when people say that we shouldn't re-sign them, you're not you're not seeing the game. You're 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 you're, you're scoreboard watching, as I like to say. You're you're looking at like the 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 numbers that show up in the score sheet. But look at the hits. Look what he's doing. Even if it doesn't count as a hit, look at what he's doing to the Rangers players. He's playing aggressive. He's uh, coming full steam ahead. He's getting near uh, Shesterkin. And even though it doesn't result in a goal, at least he's making that effort. He's making that aggression. So I want people to know that. And James Nichols, once again, excuse me, tweeted out a stat and it showed that Timo Meyer was actually playing efficiently during the course of the game, even though it didn't result in any points. So I would like to see team like Timo Meyer. He could score 40 goals. We've seen him do it during the course of the season. But his role is different, and he's embracing it, I believe. So when people say, let's not re-sign Timo Meyer," you're not watching. You're nuts. Yeah, you're nuts. You're not watching the game from a, from a different perspective. You you just expect them to put up Jack Hughes-type numbers when there's, <laughs> already, when there's already a Jack Hughes on the team. I mean, let me put it this way. Like, you need to have guys that are going to go not only fetch the puck, but also agitate the enemy. You have to make it a living hell. And, you know, the Rangers are good at breaking the puck out, but when you tire them out, battering them, keeping them softer in their own zone, and all they have to do is, like, try and make a few short passes, and they have to try and move up ice, it's harder. If you saw what the Dulls did in Game 3, you see what I'm talking about, slowing the Rangers on transition. And the Dulls started counterattack and they get more time and space and monopolizing that as much as possible to increase their odds of scoring and eventually paid off. And that is that even happened more in game four. Yeah. So just, just love the effort from Timo Meyer at least. And now we got to talk about a bigger subject. Are you still on board with firing Lindy Ruff or having him resign in favor of Andrew Burnett. I'm not in the interest of him being fired. I'm in the interest of him being promoted. Being promoted to what? Because uh, you've talked about I him. want him to be an I want him to be a skills coach advisor. A skills coach advisor. What would he do? So he would be advising all the skills coaches and working with them and the players that are at Prudential Center game like every other practice and whatnot making sure that not just the guys on the nhl level but also the ahl and the euro leagues when they come in for camps and stuff like that to help them assimilate and become more nhl ready so that way you're learning from an all-time great coach and you're allowing Burnett to stay and Burnett is the future. It's just only a matter of time. My thing is like, look, I don't know what, I don't know what devil's fans are expecting from him. So when the devil's went down Oh two people were once again, pushing the narrative fire, Lindy rough fire, Lindy rough. Okay. Devil's fans. And I'm going to do a full fledged episode on this. Like <laughs> I, I think come the end of the season, but just to get my quick thoughts, what what do you want? Okay, so the beginning of the year, you were saying fire Lindy Ruff because Devils got off to an 0-2 start. Looks like they took a couple steps backwards. I said, give it time. It's only two games. Devils win a lot. 
Then December, January, you, you hear it just a little bit, but not as much. It's not as prevalent because the Devils were still tops of the Metro. Now they get to the playoffs. They go down 0-2 in embarrassing fashion, let's face it. And people are saying, fire Lindy Ruff. I'm just like, what were your expectations for the Devils going into the season? What, what Did you think they would be in the playoffs? Just asking. So even if the Devils don't make it out the first round, I'll be disappointed. I will be crushed. And my goal for them is to make it out the first round. So that way they can, you know, stay relevant in terms of just saying they are the future. The future is now for them. But it is like, let's not jump on that. Let's not jump on that bandwagon once again, saying firing Lindy Ruff, because look, look at all the milestones that the Devils have achieved, whether it's from an NHL standpoint, whether from a team standpoint, a personal standpoint, Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, uh, the 52 franchise wins, the uh, Dougie Hamilton also breaking some records. It's just nuts that people are still saying, let's fire Lindy Ruff. When I'm just like, he has gotten the most out of a lot of our players. They have broken a couple franchise records, a few NHL records, might I ask. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, it just blows my mind. He's exceeded the expectations, but that I like I said, that's my little tangent for the day, and I'll do a full-fledged episode maybe come the end of the season. Well, my tangent is this. You know, the Devils don't have another contract as of yet, or right. will they have another contract for Is he a long-term? Rough? Now, is he a long-term solution? I'll say no, but shorter-term, yes. He'll lead the Devils when he wants to lead the Devils. I I see like a two-year extension, maybe a two-year extension if he wants to stay. I believe along with that, you have to have a contract clause that keeps Andrew Burnett in New Jersey and phases him into being a coach, whether it's the moment Lindy Ruff uh, leaves in two years or leaves as soon as possible. You have to have those little uh, details the little devils in the details right there. So that way you retain not just one, but two great people, you know, for certain circumstances down the road. It's kind of like uh, insurance. Right. So Jersey Joe, we've talked about everything. We talked about Lindy Ruff. We talked about Jonas Sigathar. We talked about Akira Schmid. We talked about Timo Meyer. We were all over the board for players who have been having a great impact on the playoff series, but they're not going to be given the necessary amount of credit. So hopefully uh, that gives some people some hope as the playoffs continue to progress. Uh, any closing thoughts? Uh, closing thoughts? Well, first off, I mean, the Devils being this great uh, after, you know, coming back from a draft lottery year, this is a huge step forward. And you have not seen the best of the Devils yet. This team, within the next two years or even – right now or even longer they're going to give the rangers nightmares and the devils have the potential they are now they're they're adding not just nightmares now they're adding more nightmares later and i will say this anyone hosting a draft party get as many possible uh not just in you know northern jersey get more in central jersey south jersey whether in your expat community of southern u.s or west coast or wherever you're at or even in europe get a watch party i know some people still working but um have fun right now the future is now get rolling and also guys for anyone who does host a watch party and they post it on the internet and for all the trolls out there 
let's be better, please. Like, let's let's not ridicule someone for me or him or anyone else. Like, do I ever go on to other people and hackle them on their podcast? I don't like that. It's not kosher. No, it's like we're all fans at the end of the day cheering for the same team. Doesn't matter if you're a credential media member. Doesn't matter if you sit in the bleachers. Doesn't matter if you sit near the rink. Doesn't matter if you have some sort of association with the team. We're, we're all on the same team here. And for the Ranger fans who went out of their way to ridicule a certain group just for, you know, having fun and doing a watch party, making some sort of like sexist remarks, whatever the case might be, let's be better than that, please. Let Like, I, I've been seeing it on my YouTube channel, so I'm speaking from a place of understanding. At the end of the day, guys, it's it's sports, not life or death, okay? We're just here to have fun. That's my closing thought. And I will say this. I know there's six minutes left in this podcast, but we did not touch on um, some of the interesting playoff stats per money puck. Is that in a minimum of two games played, guess who gave up the most amount of goals against? It is Andre Vasilevsky in four games letting up 19 goals against. And guess who has given up the least amount in the middle of two games? Akira Schmid. And you know who the next best behind him is? Igor Shesterkin with four games played. And Akira has 4.91 goals against and a 2.9 uh, goal saved above expected. Igor has 10.5 goals against. 10.05 rather and 4.1 goal saves above expected but if you want to look at goal saves above per 60 it's Akira Schmid with a 1.322 and Igor Shosturkin with a 0.896 and third best is Philip Gustafson of Minnesota of 0.860 so really really the, if I had my crystal ball. I think Schmid ends up becoming a future Vesna winger. Well, he's certainly on the right path and he's definitely put up some numbers that we haven't seen that we haven't seen in a while. He surprised me. He surprised a lot of people. And given how well he's playing in the playoffs and given how much more of a pedestal he's on, similar to Vitek Vanacek, a lot more eyes will be on him come next year. I'd say if he is going to be in the running for the Vesna trophy, maybe two to three years, something like that. Like easily, easily. And I will say this. I know nowadays in a 40 in an 82 game season, having Vanacek and Schmid splitting at least up to a maximum of 41 games, that's going to be like the Luongo uh, Schneider tandem, but maybe better than that. But last year, Two Boston Bruins that went on to have a better year this year with goals expected above average was Linus Ulmark and Jeremy Swayman. And I'm excited to see where this development of Vanchek and Schmidt goes forward. It's definitely going to be exciting. and But we still got a lot more playoffs to cover. So Jersey Joe, um, everyone can find him over at Pucks and Pitchforks. And also he is the host of Heads Up Hockey podcast. So go check that out. And like I, like I do to close out every episode, continue to stay safe. Have a wonderful day, New Jersey. Go Devils. I'll catch you in the next episode. Jersey Joe, thanks for, for joining once again. 
Thank you so much, Trey. And uh, have a wonderful uh, NHL playoffs. Uh, please be frequenting American Whiskey and all the other places around Prudential Center, whether you're going to the game or not. Uh, have fun. Be safe. And let's go, New Jersey. No quit in New Jersey. You like that, New York? It ain't no quit. It's all about fighting for the jersey. <laughs>